Well, welcome to church again. I'll say that. It's good to be here. Um, we are in a, the second message of our three-part series called my, my, yeah, my Faith, My City, My Church. It's like, what's it called? Uh, and this week, it's My City. I'll give you a little background. I am a country boy through and through. I grew up in the country. I mean, I'm talking rural Nova Scotia here. The community that I grew up in had one road, right? One road, one street. And my house that I lived in was so far off of that street that you couldn't see the road from my house. I could go fishing. I could go hunting. I could go logging. I could go on a hike, picnic, run my four-wheeler. I could do all of those things and never leave my own land. I know. What am I doing here? It's a good question. <laughs> And that's where I lived uninterrupted for the first 35 years of my life. It's where I began a family with, with my wife, Debbie. It's where my two kids were born. It's, it's where we, we began to, to, to really figure out who we were. But God, through a series of drawing events and changes and drawing of our hearts, changed all that. So at about the age of 35, uh, Debbie and I and our two kids... Um, we felt like God was calling us to, to study in ministry full-time, so we went to college for two years away from, from Canada in a different country. Following that, we spent five years um, as part of a, a pastoral staff team in the United States at a church there, and, and, it, and it was great. Um, it, was, it was really what God was doing to prepare our hearts for what was coming ahead, but during that whole time, we really felt that this was a temporary thing where God was really kind of be calling us back to the Maritimes. Our heart was, was always for the Maritimes. And about probably around two years, uh, uh, you know, when there was about two years left in, in when we were down in the States, about two years before we came back, we really felt like the, where God was calling us back to was actually the HRM, that it was actually uh, Halifax area in this, in this. And so it, we really felt that as a family, and so we, we yielded to that. We'd never lived in Halifax until about eight years ago. It was like, I don't have any family here. Uh, we didn't know anybody. It was just, it was all new to us. But we were just being obedient to what we felt God was asking us to do, and it felt like God was asking us to come here. I really didn't know how I was going to cope with urban life. I didn't really know how I was going to cope with living in the city. I was like, but I had to trust God in the midst of that. And I mean, I'd done it before a little bit, when, when we, were, we were, you know, studying and stuff abroad, but it's like, this was going to be our new home. Like, this was, this, was, this was permanent. But God is so faithful. He not only gave us, like, this desire to come, like, this, this, this call to come back to the HRM. He also gave us a heart for this city. And we immediately, oh, my gosh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. He immediately gave us a heart for our city. I mean, we love our city. It's like there's just no way around it. It's like it's where we belong. It's where we're called to minister. It's our home. This is, this is my city. This is my city. With its beautiful harbor, its bridges, its culture, its scenery, the people, the history, the potential. And like anything else that I love, I'm ready to defend it. <laughs> I'm ready to pray for it. And I'm proud of my city. I love Halifax. So when somebody starts talking smack about Halifax, 
I'm like, just, just wait a cotton picking minute here. This is like just a minute. Just wait a minute. It's my city you're talking about. I love my city. I know it's not perfect, but it's so beautiful. I mean, where else can you experience all four seasons in one week? Where else can you go and you can get sushi, lobster poutine, and a beaver tail all within walking distance of each other? Halifax. I love this one. Where else on the planet can you set your clocks by a cannon blast from the Citadel Wall? Halifax. I love my city, it's pretty awesome. And not just those things, because I really believe that God's hand is on our city. I believe that God is at work in the midst of where we live, in the HRM. I believe that we can believe for breakthrough. I believe that we should be believing for God to come and show himself strong and show himself true. I believe that the gospel will bear fruit in our communities, in our businesses, in our schools, in our homes, on our street. This is our city. This is my city. And I also believe that this is God's city, more importantly than all those other things, because we have committed this city to him. We have declared that, no, HRM, Halifax, this is God's city. We've committed to him in prayer, we've prayed over it, we've fasted over it, and we will declare that this is his city because we've committed it to him. The prophet Jeremiah, he was speaking to the people of Israel who had been carried off into exile from their beautiful country homes into the city. No, just kidding. (laughs) They'd been carried off into exile to another city. And Jeremiah the prophet, God speaking through him, gives them this advice. And and many many people know the scripture, uh, Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the the plans I have for you, and and go down to it. Well, this comes just before that. It's Jeremiah chapter 29, verses six through eight. And I'm gonna read it from the New International Version, and then all the rest of them are gonna be New Living Translation. But he's speaking to these guys that have been carried off in exile, and he says this. In verse 6, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which you've been carried, or which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. He says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which you've been carried, or I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You see, we want our city to be a better place because we're here. We want our city to be better because of what God is doing in us and through us. As I said, this is week two of our three-week series, My Faith, My City, My Church. Faith is our foundation. City is our mission. And churches are calling. City, city is our mission. You know, it's so important that we have God's heart for our city and beyond. I mean, I believe God heart, God's heart breaks for our city. At times when I'm praying for the city and when, when Corey and I are, are, are praying and we kind of get together, there's this, there's this sense that, that God just, Sometimes he weeps over our city. There's such compassion of God in his heart for our city, for the lost. I believe his heart is for those that are exploited and abused and 
and, and taken advantage of. I believe that he sees the fragile potential that he has deposited in the next generation that sadly many times never actually is realized. But he risks it anyway, and he puts that potential in each one of those young lives knowing that there's a chance because God believes it's worth the risk. There's this story in, in Luke chapter 19 where Jesus meets a guy named Zacchaeus as he travels and teaches. And Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. And, and, and it's to the surprise of the crowds because Zacchaeus, he was a tax collector. So he was Jewish, working for the Romans and, and collecting taxes from the Jewish people, the Israelites. And most of them would kind of pad their pockets by skimming whatever was coming in. So it's like, they were like a person without a, I mean, all they had was each other because they couldn't trust the Romans anyway. And, and, and their people, their own people didn't trust them. So he was a bit of an outcast. He was a bit of a, you know, he just wasn't accepted by anyone. And yet we get this picture of him desiring to see Jesus and so intent on meeting this, this guy that he's heard about that he climbs a tree. And some of you may know the story, climbs a tree and Jesus is coming to teach. And, and Jesus kind of like, you know, he's, if you can imagine Jesus walking with the crowd and he kind of looks up and, and sees this guy. <laughs> and Jesus says, come on, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your place today. So in Luke chapter 19, verse 6, Zacchaeus, it says, quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. <laughs> I love the picture of this. I mean, this is crazy. Comes down from the tree, takes Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. I, I love how clean and tidy and you know, that the wording is like, the people were displeased. Oh, I say, I'm very displeased. <laughs> Glenn's translation. I'll be careful here, because Debbie's saying, just be careful. The crowds were ticked because Jesus was hanging out with the riffraff. And I was like, what are you doing with this reject? And they grumbled. Meanwhile, Jesus, no, Zacchaeus. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, Jesus, I'll give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. If I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Okay, then. Jesus responds, it's a miracle. He says, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Imagine what that would have meant to Zacchaeus. Here was a rejected guy that was rejected by his own people, and Jesus says, no, no, no. This man's a true son of Abraham. And then he clarifies for everybody that was having an issue. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus had a mission. Jesus says, I came to seek and to save the very ones that you despise. He made it quite clear. 
I love how, it's, how it contrasts that. How sometimes we get this idea that, you know, us and them and we're, Jesus is my homeboy and we're good and it's like all this and everybody else is like. But what we've got to realize is that the lost are not the enemy. They are our mission. I mean, how crazy is that? It's like the lost are not our enemy. They're our mission. It's, and, and that's not from a high and mighty, we are greater than thou or we are somehow you know, it's like, it's not that kind of an attitude, but we come with humility and compassion and total reliance on God and his Holy Spirit. People that believe differently than we do, people that look differently than we do, people that live differently than we do, they're not the enemy, they're our opportunity. They are those that God has called us to reach with the love and the grace of God. People we work with, people we go to school with, that neighbor that is watching how we live, the many people from foreign countries that are moving into our city, people of affluence and people with nothing. Our people, our city, our mission. The ultimate impact that we can have on our city is Jesus. No greater gift, no greater influence, no greater lasting effect than the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why our mission is bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the heart of our city and to the world. Because our city is our mission. In Mark chapter 5, I'm going to tell another story. and I'll try and paraphrase this one politically correctly is my wife kind of makes sure that I stay on track because she knows I'm tired. Mark chapter 5. We have the account of Jesus arriving on the other shores of, of, the, of the lake after calming the storm. He lands in the areas, area of the Gadarenes um, with the disciples with him in the boat. So they land on the shore. They're coming out. And as, a, as they get there, a man comes from the tombs to them. Again, I'm sorry, I just, I read this and I picture it. It's just in my brain. <laughs> As they get out of the boat, this naked lunatic comes running out of the tombs towards them. Kind of, probably, like I'm picturing foaming at the mouth and dirty and nasty and naked running towards them. I mean, that's what, that's what it says. Out of his mind. And he comes running towards them. And so Jesus, like, kind of receives him, you know, says, hey, you know, what's your name? Gets, like, <laughs> kind of gets this, you know, when you're out back, you're grabbing a coffee, and you say, you know, what's your name? Like, so Jesus does this with him. Through the process, discovers that the man's demon-possessed, addresses that need, delivers him from the demons. A bunch of pigs drown in the process. The swine herders go running back to town. They're, they're really quite excited about the whole thing. They tell the, t the townspeople and they come out pretty much en masse and arrive before Jesus with this other guy. And their request is, Jesus, get out of here. Please leave. Which I think is a bizarre reaction. But anyway, so Jesus heals this guy. The, the townspeople come out. They ask him to leave. They beg him, please leave our region. And here this man is clothed and in his right mind. <laughs> it's a quite a contrast when you picture it. 
In Matthew chapter 5, verses 18 to 20, we have the account of Jesus' departure. So as Jesus is in verse 18, it says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. We've got the townspeople who begged him to leave. And then we've got this lunatic who's been set free, clothed, in his right mind saying, Jesus, please, please, just let me go with you. But Jesus says, no. And we're like, Jesus, why would you say no? It's like, you called people to follow you. What are you, what are you doing here? Like, do you get the contrast? There's something unique going on here in this story. Usually it's like, come follow me. And the guy says, please, can I come with you? And Jesus says, no. And I think there's a high calling on this man because listen to what he says. Go home to your family. Tell them everything that the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Just go home to your family, which he wasn't able to do for we don't know how long. He was living in the tombs. I wasn't with his family. He says, go home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man, previously a naked lunatic, so the man started off to visit the ten towns, the Decapolis of that region, and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what he told them. Man was on mission. Like, like I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know quite how to process that. Like, in that moment, Jesus trusted this guy, it said, no, go back and tell people what I've done for you. Go back to your city. Go back to your family. Go back to those who know you best and tell them of the mercy that I've had on you. And as I said, that wasn't what happened in every instance. But this is an example of the missional aspect of Jesus' ministry. There were those occasions when Jesus allowed those that he had touched to follow him and hang out with him. But in this case, he says, no. Tell them. You know, there's times when we can just soak in God's presence. There's times when we can come in and maybe it's on a Sunday morning. Maybe it's at a life group. Maybe it's a chance just to, to get together with friends. And, and just the presence of God is just so real. And there's, a, there's a, God's at work. And God is like, maybe, maybe you experience a healing or an infilling or a touch. It's a divine moment where you and Jesus and you and God and you and the power of the Holy Spirit connect. And it's like there's times when we can just kind of soak in that and just believe in that. And it's like, wow. You know, you just, and then that's, and that's enough. There's a healing. There's a restoration. There's, it's that sense of receiving from God. And you know what? Those are, are precious, precious moments. But then I believe there's other instances that are similar to what this man experienced to where we experience a touch of God where Jesus touches our lives and immediately we get a sense of go tell everybody who listen. Go and share the grace of God. Let people know the transformation is going on inside of you because of what God's doing. And it's like, this, this guy did not have a PhD in theology, 
He didn't, he didn't have months and months of, of theological training. He had a touch of God and a mandate. Yeah. And Jesus said, just like, you've got a story. You've been transformed. You've been touched by Jesus. Tell somebody about it. Tell somebody about it. There's times when we encounter Jesus, he puts us in our right mind. And then we're sent back to our family, our city, with the message of how good God has been to us. It's when God tells us to share our story. That doesn't happen from religious observance. That doesn't happen from knowing the creeds, being able to quote, you know, the church fathers. That doesn't come from a degree, not saying any of those things are wrong. But we've got to get something straight there. Because Acts chapter 1, we have the story of that first time of Pentecost, that first time when God poured out his Holy Spirit in a miraculous way. And I love how this comes together because in Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 4, it says, once when he was eating with them, this is Jesus after his resurrection, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles who were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, is this the time, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? It's like they're saying, Jesus, is, is this when we get to rule the world? Is this when political corruption and world hunger are eliminated? Is this when all the injustices are dealt with? Is this when we become a Christian nation? Is... Jesus replies, no, 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 just a second. Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for us to know. And it's as if he's saying there's a bigger priority, because the next word is, but... But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, starting in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, I feel like we all have a Jerusalem. Like, huh? I feel like we all have a Jerusalem, and and it's that, it's 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 that place. It's it's the realm of the place where you do life. It's it's where you call home at the moment. It's both geographical and relational. It's it's our place, but it's also our people because we all have people. You have a circle of influence that is unique to you. They're your family, people you work with, people you go to school with, people that you bump into shopping, doing your yard work, whatever. They're your Jerusalem. Like that's, they're the people, that's where you live. And it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Ha! You will receive power. See, God's called us. He's given us a mandate, but he will empower us and equip us to make an impact, to serve others, to lay down our lives and therein find life in the full. 
See, the task is bigger than us, but God is bigger than the task, especially when we walk in obedience. Ask the team to start making their way back. Most of us, that's not adding something else to the list of a thousand things that we need to get done. Right? We're all busy. We're all crunched for time. We've all got a million things on our mind and on our plate. What it is, I believe, is making everything that's on that list part of the bigger cause of Christ. Our lives, our families, our careers, our hobbies find context in the Great Commission. And it's our calling as the local church. Bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the heart of our city and to the world is recognizing that we, can, that we are carriers of that gospel no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. We don't go to church. We are the church. And I'll get into that next week. And it starts in our Jerusalem. I believe we've got to start somewhere. I heard somebody say one time, might have been my father, maybe. And he was talking about some different things, and he said, if it's not working at home, don't export it. And I don't think he was talking about necessarily evangelism at that point, but what he was saying is like, guys, like, let's, let's start somewhere. And our somewhere is our Jerusalem. It's where we are. And it goes on from there. I love it. It's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. It's like, it expands. It's like, this place should be an epicenter of the mission and the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring, you know, the gospel to the heart of our city and to the world. It's like, boom, and the ripples go out from there. And it's like, I'm believing for ripples. I'm believing for some seismic activity in our city of a God nature. We don't need an earthquake. Specific, right? Clarity. Because I believe that the footprint of this church, if you could, it's kind of cool to stand up here and see this, but the footprint, I believe, of our church is not the land that this church, the building is sitting on. It's the combined influence of every person that calls Faith City Church home. We all have a Jerusalem, a circle of influence, that place where, where we can interact with people. And you start putting that all together, and you know what? The city's in pretty good hands. Because you carry, you are the hands, the feet, the voice of God. Because it's bigger than us, and, it, and, it's, and it's amazing. It's and where there's overlap, that's even better. I mean, how cool is that when you find out that, that a coworker, you know, is also praying for the rest of your coworkers or, or somebody on your street it, like, is willing to partner with you to, to, to reach out in some way. When you figure out that the people in your area or your life group or whatever, and you begin to work together and there's some synergy in that and you see crazy things happen for the glory of God. We carry this. We're not waiting for someone else to pick it up. We take it on. You know, one sows, another waters, but, but God makes it grow. Wow. I don't know, like, you may have noticed that it's getting a bit crowded in here on a Sunday morning. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But it also means that we're getting ready to make some changes around here to make room for more. Right? We got to be thinking about that. 
right? Fill her up. We gotta be thinking about that because this is bigger than us. We don't, you know, sometimes it's hard. Some people will love that idea and some people are already cringing going, oh no, oh no. That lunatic is at it again. What's he changing now? We wanna be comfortable. We don't wanna change seats. I love this. It's like, this is not my favorite setup, although it is very tempting with this aisle down in the middle that, you know, I can kind of, but anyway. It's hard for me sometimes because it's like, it's like I, it, when I'm preaching, it's like before I had Debbie sitting right in front of me. So it's like, it kind of kept me on track. But it's like, it was so much fun to watch people when they came in and they'd look and go, where's my seat? Where's my seat? (laughs) But we're going to figure it out. You know why? Because that's who we are. That's who we are. That's who we are. We're Faith City Church. And to be the city church means making room for more. It means going the extra mile. It means that This building is not big enough to contain the overflow of what God wants to do in our city through the local church. You know, there's churches in our city that require less of the people that attend. There's there's churches in our city that would be content to fill the seats, to have enough. It's like, we could survive. There may be churches in our city that are happy with where they're at, but that's not us. That's not faith. Faith is not being content with where you're at. Faith is believing for what you cannot see. Now I'm gonna grab grab a phrase from our previous senior pastor, Pastor John Chain. Why are we doing this? because there are people out there waiting on the other side of our obedience to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ and be forever transformed by the power and love of God. So let's get it done, which is what he would say. And I'm not John Chain, I'm much taller. But that's okay because I believe God has us here for such a time as this in the season that we're in to speak life and vision into the people of Faith City Church and believe for God to transform a city by the power of God, to transform the spiritual landscape of a region through the power of God, through the local church, through people, through us. It's my city, but it's our city. It's your city, but it's our city. And it's his city. Can we stand together? Faith is our city. Faith is our city. No, faith is our church. (laughs) All right, God. I think my coffee wore off. Okay. Faith City Church. 
Faith is our foundation, city is our mission, church is our calling. This is our city. This is our Jerusalem. It starts here. But let's remember it's in the power of the Holy Spirit. Just remember every time you encounter the presence and power of God, that God has worked in you, but he wants to work through you. It's being empowered to take the love of God to a city that desperately, desperately needs it. It's not church programs, they're good, but they're not the answer. It's each one carrying the gift of God in every sphere of life, owning the mission, taking the responsibility, and going in the power of God. I believe God wants to empower some people this morning, some people that are feeling the tug and are also feeling inadequate. They're feeling like they should say something sometimes, and their next thing is, who am I? They're, they're, they're feeling like God might be wanting them to reach out and pray for somebody or to, to fulfill a need or to impact someone in some way, some simple way, but they're like, God's got to have somebody more qualified than me. Well, in Luke, it was a pre-demonized naked lunatic that God touched and then sent back and said, go for it, man. You got this. There's somebody here this morning that just needs to know go for it. You got this. Not because of who you were, not even because of who you are, but because of who God sees you as, right? I am who he says that I am, saved, redeemed, set free, transformed, empowered, filled with the Holy Spirit, ready to go. And he is who he says he is. And he calls us to love, to love, to love, to love, to love. To love one another, to love this, those that frustrate us, to love those that are different than us, to, to love those that believe differently than us. And through that love, be just moved with compassion to, to do something. Do something. Let's get it done. So as we go into worship, I just want to, I want to begin just by praying that God empowers us fills us, calls us, sets us out. Like next week, we're going to be talking about my church. And it's this idea of being part of a community, but it's also by the, the idea of like, we are the church and the church is what God wants to use. So I'm hoping that it'll be kind of a practical, you know, um, outflow of what we're talking about right now. It's like God empowers and now kind of give us some, give us some context, God. God, I thank you for your spirit that's at work and God, I just pray right now for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. God, for you to just, to, to, to fill us with something beyond ourselves, that we would know the presence of God in such a way that, that we trust you enough to step out, even maybe if we don't feel it, but on the promises that you have made that we can take the love of God to our city that we can take the love of God to our family, sometimes where it's the hardest. We can take the love of God to our neighbors. We can take the love of God to our city, to our region, and to the world. So God, pour out your spirit, I pray. God, we just take a moment. And God, we're gonna worship you, but Lord, empower your people. Lord, pour out your spirit. Lord, come in a divine, beautiful way 
that's undeniably you. God, we don't put you in a box. But God, we just declare you are great and your love for us is great and your love for our city is great. 